Welcome to On Work, a monthly Substack podcast about how people turn the hours of the day into books, articles, films, music, and more. As I have said before, I am fascinated with how people work, their routines, their rituals, their kludges, their hectic, scrambling, dumpster-fired days. I want to know how people make time to make great things. This podcast is about that journey and the many ways that folks embark on it. My guest this month is Fatima Sayed. She is a reporter with The Narwhal and vice president of the Canadian Association of Journalists. Now, let's find out how Fatima works. Well, welcome to the big show, friend. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Episode three, the first episode of the new year. No pressure, but this is going to set the tone. It's still 2019, right? It's still 2019. It is 2019, and I am trying to calculate what my age was back then. (laughs) I don't remember. But I'm turning... Twenty in in January this month, I'm turning thirty nine. Wow, is that more daunting yeah. than like a round number? Because I turned a round number last no. year and I hated it. What was the round number? It was thirty. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> yeah, the round numbers are are worse, I think, in a sense. But the but the preludes to the round numbers, like the the sort of like. Because it's like almost a countdown. Like a are worse. Yeah, <laughs> they're worse because you, you turn forty and look, you're forty, and you may be happy about that. You may be unhappy about that. But at thirty-nine, it's like in a year you're going to be forty. So all the stuff you've been putting off for years, <laughs> you got to do in twelve months. All the health stuff, all the career stuff, all the relationship stuff. It's like you've got twelve months to get your shit together. Yeah, that's terrifying. I wouldn't want to be you. That's good general advice. But, <laughs> but that's all by way of saying that this is going to set the tone for the year that leads up to that. So just keep that in mind. Cool. I got this. Maybe. We'll see. Good. Uh, you got this. It's going to be great. Let's open with this. How does the news happen? Oh, God. Now, I mean, I joke about that. But, but genuinely, I think for a lot of people, it's unclear. It's opaque. Exactly how a reporter takes the raw stuff of the world, wherever they may find it, and turns it into a story. So I'm curious what your what your process is. You wake up in the morning, eventually you produce a piece one day, the next day, the next day. How does that happen? I ask as someone who is, you know, I don't have to worry about <laughs> things like um, reporting and facts. You're, you're asking me to lift the curtain on journalism, which is such a complicated, mm-hmm. evolving world right now. Um, but it really depends on what kind of reporter you are. You know, the old adage is, you know, every morning, you know, back in the day before I was born was, you know, you hear something on the police scanner or, um, you know, you hear a politician say something or you're in the legislature and there's a new bill and your job is to figure out what's happening that day and report it. But today, in the year of our Lord, 2023, God help us, um... We are, um, it's different. 
because you have the internet, which is this wondrous machine mm-hmm. where news is series just of tubes constantly floating through these tubes and constantly emerging um, on our phones and various devices. So as a journalist, not only is your job figuring out what's happening that day, but it's also filtering through the noise to figure out what people should be paying attention to more than whatever their feeds are are showing. Um, The great privilege of my life is that I have a niche now. I'm a climate reporter. So I get to focus on uh, just, you know, environment and energy policy, and I get to do that just in one province in Ontario. So Which is still a lot. It's it's massive. Right. It's the it's massive. Yeah. And in, in Doug Ford's Ontario, it's overwhelming at this moment in time. Um because climate policy isn't announced as climate policy. Sometimes you just have to look at what's happening every day and figure out, hey, will this impact the environment and the water I drink and the air that I breathe and the animals that I love taking Instagram pictures of every day? Um, and and that's a task and a half, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, so how do I do it? I have no clue. I, I, I love talking to people. That's sort of why I got into journalism, because I love talking to people. I love learning things. So for me, I, I like to start my day reading, and then I like to call someone about what I'm reading and say, hey, read this weird thing on you know this bill or on Twitter or in my inbox. What do you think? What's going on? Um, <laughs> do you know anything about this? Um, and and hopefully, fingers crossed, that will lead to something that will lead to an interesting story or an interesting idea that will eventually become a story. But uh, you know, part of the of the challenge of the twenty first century and what you were talking about earlier is that it's an utter unrelenting deluge, right? Yeah. And and so. You know, how do you keep track of the endless fire hose of stuff that happens? You just wake up in the morning, you, you shove your face in front of it and wait for for what comes out your nose. I mean, or have you have you developed a kind of intuitive sense of of all of the stuff that's coming at me at once? The Niagara Falls that's pouring down. Th- this is the droplet or the rivulet that I'm going to chase down. I mean, the f- to mix my water metaphor. <laughs> it's okay. You're almost forty. You're allowed to mix metaphors now. Yeah, that's right. This is how it starts. <laughs> Um, honestly, the truth is you first have to admit that you won't be able to keep up. Like, you, you can't cover everything. And, and that's the hardest it's very thing. Zen. Well, it, it's not, though, actually, because it gives me great anxiety because oh, I see. I, I'm the opposite because I feel like, oh, no, if I miss this, am I not a good reporter or am I not going to be, you know, on the radar or on top of things? I, I feel like I'm, I'm genuinely not doing my job if I miss out on things. But it is you know, something that I constantly have to work on, which is reminding myself that I am not going to be able to cover every major story that breaks. And I am going to have to pick and choose based on, you know, what uh, interests me the most, because, you know, as reporters, we do pick and choose, you know, what we can write about and and what we can tell best um, with our editor's help, of course. And and also, you know, what is most important at that time. There is a trade-off. So that's number one, accepting that. Number two is then just, you know, 
bracing for impact because so often you have a plan, right? Like you're like, okay, well, I know this is happening. You know, governments work on a schedule. You know what bills are coming or what bills have been tabled. Um, You know, all the other organizations that you follow as a climate reporter have their things going on, you know, short term and long term, and you kind of have a pulse on it. So you can make a plan based on that. But you have to brace for the idea that all of that can be appended with like a flick of a finger. It's just, you know, Doug Ford wakes up one morning, files a housing plan like he did on October 25th and ruins the next two months of whatever you had planned. Your entire Hold focus. On now. <laughs> Hold on now. He's ru- uh, I think we should be a little more ambitious. We should give him more credit. He's going to be ruining years, not just months. Um, yes, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but for me at this moment in time, <laughs> it was just... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's breaking your stride. Well, he sort of, you know, took over our schedule. Um, and, and you know, you drop everything. You, you, you know, put aside your notebook where you were, you know, diligently working on really interesting stuff. And you just focus on this massive thing that came out of nowhere and you will have so many widespread impacts on environmental protections and land and, um, you know, waterways across the province for years to come. And you make it your goal every single day to learn something about it that you can tell the people of Ontario. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh- I'm I'm curious about the process of that at a mechanical <laughs> level because I I don't know I I am so utterly fascinated as I've said before about just the way people get through the day and the way they translate the the hours of that day into stuff. Uh, I'm curious if you have any rituals or superstitions or you know, is there a particular beverage you need to keep on hand? We've done substantive stuff. We'll do some substantive stuff later. But in the meantime, I like to get into the the, the quirkier stuff. I always have something to drink beside mm-hmm. me. Sometimes I have two things or even three things. I think on, on occasion I've had four things. But I, but I don't have any particular rituals beyond putting on some ambient music. Do you have anything? Is it, do you have to have like Chopin on <laughs> and a tea? I always have music on. Um, I, 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 I like the, the noise, even if I'm not listening to the lyrics, I, ha- I, I either go, depending on what I'm writing, I will be listening to a film soundtrack or I will be just, you know, yeah. pressing play on my Spotify playlist and let the playlist take me away, you know? And then like Hans Zimmer is it? Well, it, like interstellar. Zimmerhead? Yeah. The interstellar soundtrack or Lord of the Rings or, um, Indiana pride Jones and prejudice, uh, you know, like those are the soundtracks. <laughs> Yeah. My number one artist this year for Spotify Wrapped was Bach. Amazing. And number two, I think, was Chopin. For the reasons that I listened to yeah. them while I... I'm, not, I'm just like on the treadmill listening to some cantatas or anything like that. It's like, I really got to listen to this fugue to get jacked up to lift. Yeah, it's great. But, but I work and I put this on. It's fantastic. It's nice, um, right? It's the, you can do lyrics? Can you do lyrics? I, I can do lyrics. Um I can do lyrics, and and the great thing about me is that when I press play on the Spotify, right, you know, on my collected songs, whatever you call that, and you're also working, and then suddenly, you know, a lyric will just seep through your brain for a second, and for two minutes, you get to have a break, and you just jam to, like, a Taylor Swift lyric, or, you know, you're with Bruce and Wendy's, you know, 
walking in with her dress and it's just it's fantastic mm-hmm. for two seconds you get a little break and and you go into that song and then you come out and and suddenly you're back writing um so i do love music it's it's such a good fuel um for writing um of all kinds um i don't really drink anything i i, I have my water bottle my swell water bottle I'm a I'm a basic girl, I guess, in that respect. Mm-hmm. But I do need my munchies, and it usually does need to involve some kind of chocolate, um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, for my for my health <laughs> and my ability to lose weight. But it does involve chocolate um, or nuts of some kind. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a snacker. I enjoy my snacks while I'm writing. Yeah, me too. I I. Uh... I, I can't do lyrics for the most part. I used to ran, answer emails to Radiohead's OK Computer. It was my <laughs> it was my email and occasionally my grading music. But I, I mostly can't do lyrics. Um, but every so often I'll mix it up. I'm like I'm doing a lot of Christmas jazz right now because we're recording this just uh, ahead of the new year, so it's still Christmas time. But that's the kind of like Christmas jazz. And um, but but like Stephen King wrote some of his novels to to heavy metal, which I can't. How, how do people I, I don't understand how folks can write with lyrics because to me you you mentioned wendy's and not now i can hear wendy's dress waves yeah. <laughs> and now i can now the song goes and now i'm in that world and now i'm thinking about post-industrial america and now we're just off to the races I, i'm going to be down that rabbit hole for for hours and so the lyrics to me are a real are a real challenge so it's funny because I've listened to the first two episodes of this podcast and, and I was I was thinking oh, about you. this because I was anticipating this question. And um, I think for me, it's, it's you know, there's a really nice connection between me writing my nerdy journalism and, I don't know, Bruce Springsteen writing about Wendy and her dress waving in post-industrial America. Like just the idea that writers can be bonded by, you know, a simple piano or a trumpet mm-hmm. and and that just, you know, fuels them. Some I've, I've sometimes been writing and I'll listen to the song and I'm looking for the right word and suddenly I'll hear it. I was like, right, that's the word, that's the word and I'll, and I'll write it in. So I, it, it, it makes no sense. And I know many people have told me that, you know, you're weird. Like how can you not be distracted by the words in your brain? But But somehow there's a, there's a weird link between how my brain works. Like it's almost like, you know, Bruce singing in my ear is feeding my fingers somehow. And and the words are just, you know, coming through. That's fantastic. I, but I love that. I, w- I wish I could do it because it actually sounds very pleasant. And I, I'm in my head now already just onto the next bit of the rabbit hole because now <laughs> I'm thinking about Roy Orbison. Oh yeah. How can you not Roy think Orbison of Roy Orbison? In that same yeah. verse. Now, Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about Roy Orbison's Christmas hit, <laughs> Pretty Paper. I think it's Pretty Ribbons, Pretty Paper. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about Christmas. You, see, see you just go down, it's, yeah. It's like you go down the Wikipedia Thunder Road, but eventually surfing. we'll get to better days. Bruce Springsteen has come up now in two <laughs> of our three episodes because Elamine, who was a, a guest of number course. one, is a big Springsteen fan. Uh, let's do a quick aside here just while we're on it. Uh, do you think there is a particular Bruce Springsteen song that tells the perfect story? Because I remember Elamine talking about this years ago. And for me, there is a definitive answer about the short story uh, song. I'm scared to answer this question. Well, there's maybe two. I mean, growing up is no, kind of three. fantastic. Yeah, there oh, It's my favorite one. That's my favorite one. Growing up tells like an amazing story. 
And uh, have you have you watched the Broadway version on Netflix? I've listened to it on Well, Spotify. listening to like watching him do Growing Up on Broadway made that even perfect her. You know, it just mm-hmm. it just the way he tells that story suddenly became um I don't know, it's it it's soared above the imagination that that you you have when you're listening to that song. Um but what's yours? Well, I, at the time, I think someone suggested it was Atlantic City. I remember yeah, that discussion. That was going to be my number Atlantic two. Atlantic City yeah. is probably is probably close. Uh, now that you say it, growing up's got to be real close. And Highway Patrolman. Highway Patrolman. Oh Highway my goodness! Patrolman. Yes. Yeah, those are definitely the top three, probably. I think those are. I just love you know, him. They're not like the I'm, big I'm really epics. scared that I'm never going to be able to see him live. Like, I'm really, really scared about this. And He's not a young man. I'm terrified. I'm actually terrified. And then part of me is like, maybe that's okay. Because I have... He's just been in my life since I was a young girl. And maybe it's mm-hmm. okay that I haven't seen him, seen him live. Because we will forever be bonded. I think that's very nice. I think that's a good way to think about yeah, it. Yeah, this is like, you know. That's how I think about talking heads. But long I, may I've he live. I've seen David Byrne live. <laughs> but yeah, long may he live, long may he run. Okay, well, okay, what about beyond the newsroom? Right. Are there commitments or activities that are essential to supporting your work? I mean, do you, um, a professional or otherwise, whether it's your role with the, the Canadian Association of Journalists or whether it's, you know, a particular, uh, you know, workout routine or if you're like me is it is it retail i like to get out and just go and look at things on the shelves i don't know why we contain multitudes that's one of my <laughs> that's one of my layers i just like looking at things out in the retail it, it, it stimulates my brain in a way that i find really calming but you know it, is there anything you like well i gotta do this because this is essential to me doing my job if i'm writing a massive story i must go for a walk in the middle of it I am, like, listen, I am a Jane Austen character, okay? I just haven't sure. found Mr. Darcy, okay? So I like walking. It is all the things. It's funny, you know, when the pandemic was happening, every weekend I would go to a different conservation area in Ontario um, because that's what we were all doing. We were going to hang out with the trees and the birds. And so, because mm. we couldn't see people. So I... Don't worry, there'll be houses <laughs> soon instead. Oh God! Or roads. Um. So I went to one that I'd never been to before, and it was stunning. It was, it was right at the end of fall, so there were just a few leaves left on the trees, and um, I was in the midst of a massive writing, like writing project, and my brain was hurting. I just losing, like I just lost my will to live at that point. And so my friend dragged me out. He's like, "We're gonna go to this forest that I've wanted to go to, and I haven't been." walked in perfect golden hour you know the sun is streaming through like the trees there's a few leaves falling in slow motion there's like a little tiny lake that is completely still not a sound to be heard and i remember asking him why do writers like walking and he's not a writer he's he's like you know some government policy dude and i was like why why do writers like walking? I don't understand, but it just always works on me. And he said, it's because you get to be one with the world. Like, we're better to be, we're better to find the words to describe what's happening in the world than to be in the midst of it, 
right? Not to be mm-hmm. in a man-made structure like our apartments or houses, but to be on soil and earth and surrounded by, by wood and leaves and, you know, things that we haven't created or touched. And I just thought that was so magical. So I love that. I love going for walks, you know, taking out, out my headphones for a little bit and just, you know, letting all the sounds and air seep in and and exhaling <laughs> all the all the stresses of the day i so i must do oh, that I, think, I must i think there's a physiological element to it too there is a kind of transcendental feeling to it i mean not for nothing there was a, an entire literary movement that was was centered on exactly that the sort of you know, the, the, there's a long history of transcendentalism and pastoralism and, yeah. and art creation, not not by accident. But that was also just, a, I think, a chemical, physiological element to it. Is when you're up walking around outside, your brain becomes stimulated. It just gets you going. Yeah, it, it just works. The right <laughs> neurotransmitters. It's like, forget coffee. Go for walks, everyone. Um, it's true, though. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, genuinely, right? I mean, it, it, it is it is hard. But I walk my dog every day. And there are days where I'm like, oh God, I can't get up. I can't get up right now. I gotta do. But you this always thing. feel better after do you do it, thing. right? Every I always single feel better time. For two reasons: the dog gets out, and I get out. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason dogs are, are the perfect, uh, perfect pet. And one of them is that you know they get you outside, and it does make a difference. I, I think that's, I think that does make a big yeah. difference. That makes sense to me. Uh, it's a goal I, for I, 2023 I for everyone to go for more walks. Get up and go for a walk. Yep get up and go for a walk, put some Springsteen on, get outside. Yeah. I just regret that someday uh, there won't be any nature left because it'll all be roads. David. But have you ever, in, the, one of my favorite artists is uh, Talking Heads, maybe my favorite band of all time, particularly David Byrne. And there's a great song uh, that's sort of an ironic song about how um, nature has uh, been, is replacing all the built world. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of flips the, uh, called nothing but flowers yes it's such a good song it's basically uh, the story of my which life is really just truly <laughs> it's just truly one of the most the, one of the greatest songs of all time it is if i if folks haven't heard it i highly 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 recommend go listen to nothing but flowers um this was a parking lot now it's a peaceful oasis yeah. this is one of the it's lines. such a the good line sort of like it used to be my whatsapp tagline you know how on whatsapp you have to <laughs> sure oh golly uh okay so everyone gets this question everyone gets tailored questions i put in the time and the effort every month month after month out there fighting foo as david letterman used to say of of the foo fighters they're brave men and out there every every day fighting foo i every month i come up with particular questions tailor fit to the guests of the month oh, and then, but i have one consistent question that everybody gets and you're going to get it right now Drumroll. which is uh, so <laughs> say you could design say you could design a perfect work day without constraints this is your utopia the only constraint is you have to work because otherwise the question doesn't make sense um, what does that perfect work day look like um this is a great question the thing is can i can i answer this differently okay sure. the perfect work day is the one that ends and well, don't they all end? No, not when oh, you're a journalist. <laughs> oh, I see. You want closure. I want closure. I want to be able to shut my laptop, throw away my phone, and not worry that I'm not going to miss anything. Um, you know, for me, I think, you know, I would like to wake up 
early enough to be able to go for a walk, come back, have a nice breakfast, you know, start the day reading, um, you know, uninterrupted for, for an hour or two, um, spend the rest of the day, um, you know, talking to people, meeting people, um, learning something new, um, turning that into, you know, a beautiful story, um, if not that day, then, you know, by the end of the week, because I liked telling really nice stories, um, and then logging off. I would like to log off and for to know that when I log off, the world will not erupt and I will not have to, you know, regret not being there to witness it and record it in some way. I think so often that that doesn't happen, that I am glued to my phone. It is every year for the past three years, my, my resolution, if you want to call it, I mean, I don't, I've never accomplished it, so I don't even know if it's right to call it a resolution, is to unplug, <laughs> is to be offline and be present being offline. And it's very hard because there is an impulse to check Twitter, to check the news, to check your inbox, to refresh, and to see, like, what is it? You know, I was talking to a source last night at 9 p.m., and then I realized it's 9 p.m., and he's a dad, and I should probably not be bothering him. And I apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll bother you at a reasonable hour. And he said, no, actually, this is the perfect time. It's the only time I have. And so I think we as a society, unfortunately, especially after the pandemic, have such a difficult challenge when it comes to logging off and not working and not thinking about work, especially in certain professions like journalism, like the creative arts. Mm -hmm. Um, So my perfect day is the one, my perfect work day rather, is the one that ends and I can look forward to another one the next day that will also end and uh, it will be calm and it will not be it will not overwhelm me or consume my life um, for endless amounts of time. That is a good way to to massage that question <laughs> and answer it in your own way. That that's a good that's a good that's a good way. I yeah, I, I was I like told that. to bring it, so <laughs> it's been brought in. Thank it's you. Thank you. Well, thank you. It uh, deep cut. I know. <laughs> well. On that fantastic note, that brings us to time. Thanks for uh, thanks again for joining. Thanks me. for having me, pal. This was fun. Hopefully, I can actually see you and in happy- Ottawa in real life at some point, or Toronto, uh, whatever I, that, one. That, that would be fantastic. I would I would love that for us. <laughs> we will do that, and it'll be a good way to get through twenty twenty three. Uh, by the way, happy Happy New Year, and to you. Okay, thanks again. That is uh, Fatima Syed, reporter with The Narwhal and vice president of the Canadian Association of Journalists and all around credit to the nation. Thanks as always to everyone who's out there listening and getting through your own workday. We'll see you back here next month.